Musical Theater Writer Guy is recorded as a YouTube channel series on Muncie Lenape and Canarsie lands. The audio from each episode is also released here in podcast form. To watch or to learn more, please find us on YouTube or through my website at michaelraddy.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-A-D-I dot com. Enjoy the show! Hello everyone! I'm Michael Raddy, aka Musical Theater Writer Guy. Musical Theater Writer Guy. That's me! Welcome to my channel where I talk about everything musical theater from a writing perspective. I upload videos every other Friday, so make sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell to never miss an episode. As a performer, composer, lyricist, librettist, musical director, and vocal coach, I believe that understanding effective musical theater writing can be helpful to all kinds of theater makers. Whether you're a writer, performer, director, designer, producer, stagehand, audience member, a professional artist, aspiring, or you simply love the theater, it is my goal to present you with information that will enhance your theatrical experiences and help to bolster your enjoyment of the theater. All right, my friend. It is time to rhyme. See what I did there? Time and rhyme. Because those words, they rhyme. But we're going to be talking about rhyming. So, like, like, you get it, right? Do you want me to explain the joke again? Okay, so today I want to talk about rhyming in musical theater. What are the different kinds of rhymes? How are they effective? Why do we use them? And... Why should we even care? So, let's unwrap those cough drops and uh, get the show going. Okay, okay, stop me if this has ever happened to you. You're listening to some excellent musical theater music, bopping along like musical theater lovers do, and suddenly someone sings something that makes you go, Huh? What? Those things, they don't rhyme. And now you're confused, and you're thinking back on it, and now you're totally distracted, and therefore you're missing the rest of the song because you can't stop thinking about how the writer decided that they could try to rhyme asparagus with they're aware of us. I'm realizing now that you can't stop me, because this is a video. Huh. Okay, well hopefully you've never heard a writer attempt that rhyme before, but in this economy... You never know. What does that even mean? Who am I? Onward! As I said, we will be talking this week about rhyming in musical theater, but I'm also going to pair this with my next video on word accent in lyrics in musical theater. The technicalities behind rhyming and word accent are not something that we often think about or talk about unless you're a writer or you're particularly tickled by a rhyme that you hear in a show. Most of the time, we just don't think about it, and that's a good thing. Part of the job for musical theater writers is to fit the words so perfectly on the music that as we listen, we understand every word and intention with crystal clarity. Some of this is writing rhymes in places that feel right and therefore ground our ears and help the listener focus on what's being said, all the while not calling attention to the actual writer or writing itself. Tough job. So, it is this rhyming aspect that we will be covering for this week, and then I'll just take this little carrot 
for the next video and just like put it over here. We'll save that for later. Okay, let's dive in. Rhyming in lyrics is a staple of musical theater. We all expect it, and it helps tell the story, it helps ground our ears, tell us more information about the characters. But does effective musical theater writing rely on certain types of rhymes? Why, yes. Yes, it does. Rhymes can be classified in one of three major categories and one of two genders. Side note. I've never really understood grammatical gender as a concept in any language, and here in 2021, I really don't like using these binary terms. That just felt important to say. Side note completed, and ready to self-destruct in five, four, three, two. The first category is the perfect rhyme or true rhyme. This is when the number of syllables, the consonants, and the assonance of two words matches perfectly. What does that all mean? Well, we're taught what syllables are in school. They're the number of pronounced units that a word has, which come out kind of like beats. Uh, wade, water, waterfall, syllables. A consonant is any letter that isn't A, E, I, O, or U, uh, or Y if Y is not being used as a vowel and they create the shorter, harder sounds within our words. Assonance refers to the pronunciation of the vowel sounds within the words. Now, I just labeled out all of the vowels, but the vowel sounds are a little bit different. We have pure vowel sounds like a, 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 o, a, e, a, e, e, and u. But then we also have combinations of vowel sounds, which are known as diphthongs. Yes, that is a real word. Diphthongs. That's when we take two or more vowel sounds and we kind of smush them together. It's kind of like how ah and e create the sound of i, ah, e, i, 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 right? And we kind of smash them together and say them very fast. But all of these sounds, whether they are pure vowel sounds or they are diphthongs, count as assonants. So, some basic examples that would meet these three criteria for the perfect rhyme would be fair and bare, crappy and happy, shelving and delving, not, however, detestable and festival. Okay, so we have three syllables that match testable, festival, Okay, but we're lacking the other two. Testable, festival, those are two different vowel sounds, so the assonance does not match. Then we also have a consonant difference on the last syllable. Vol, vol, B versus V. So even though they are similar, they're not quite a perfect rhyme. Other examples that are close but not quite there, gone and on. Though, I guess that one depends on where you're from. Looking at you upstate New York, gone and on. Mm -hmm. Or B and fleet. One syllable, both using the E sound, but one has a T at the end. So they have to match exactly in all three criteria. So, when rhymes are perfect, they are immensely satisfying to the ear. Humans are built to love wordplay. It gives us aural enjoyment. I said aural? Aural, A-U-R-A-L, like your ears. 
Come on, guys. I'm watching you. Okay, so you will find these as the most common type of rhyme in musical theater because of this ear satisfaction. Gosh, that really doesn't sound any better, does it? <laughs> hmm. And these perfect rhymes can be either gender, masculine or feminine. A masculine rhyme would be a monosyllabic rhyme or having only one syllable, something like tree and bee. Feminine rhymes, on the other hand, are multisyllabic, so they happen over multiple syllables. Things like bookie and rookie, dancing and prancing, wonderful and blunderful. Yeah, okay, so blunderful's not a word, but it is a perfect rhyme. Okay, category number two, imperfect rhymes, also known as slant rhymes. So, these rhymes are lacking one or more of the three criteria of the perfect rhyme. Plain and simple. The assonance could be slightly different, like in gone and on, that's aw versus ah. Close, but not quite there. It could be the difference in consonants, like the B and V in detestable and festival, or it could be the number of syllables. You could put the emphasis on the E sound in being, but it's not going to rhyme with tree. Being has those two syllables and the word continues. Tree is done. And treeing is not a word. Yet. You will hear these slant rhymes all over pop music, and they make their way into musical theater as well. Now, imperfect rhymes are not necessarily a problem within musical theater, though. In fact, they can be quite useful, especially if you tuck them into the middle of a line between two perfect rhymes. It helps keep our ears grounded in a certain maybe type of assonance, or you're focusing on alliteration and using the same consonant over and over again with these slant rhymes, they do have their uses. Now, where it becomes a problem is when you set up this really delicious rhyme and we're all looking forward to that landing point, and then you give us an imperfect rhyme. Gosh, that is just so dissatisfying to the ear. Not only that, but you will often get a feeling like the writer was just being lazy. Going that extra mile for the perfect rhyme, spending that extra amount of time, really does up the enjoyment from an audience's perspective. And finally, there are identities. Identities are when you have the exact same word or the exact same sound, usually with different meanings, but lining up exactly like how you would expect a rhyme to land. It's kind of hard to explain, but my favorite example of this, personally, comes from a little priest in Sweeney Todd. And we've got shepherds pie peppered with actual shepherd on top. So here, shepherd is landing like a rhyme with shepherd. But in one case, it's being used as the name of a dish, and in the other case, it's being used as the name of an occupation, though very, very morbidly. Of course, it's also being rhymed internally with peppered, which just makes it absolutely delightful on top of being morbid. Ah, <sighs> Sweeney. And that's the third category. Now, I know many of you learned about sight rhymes when you were in school. However, it doesn't count in musical theater because we're not reading the lyrics. So if you are writing a show and you try to rhyme good and blood, well, number one, what kind of morbid stuff are you talking about? And number two, it ain't gonna work out too well. 
I don't know why I'm doing this accent. I is not from Queens. Oh, it's only getting worse. Okay, now one quick note on rhyme placement. In Western poetry, music, and lyric writing, we are conditioned to expect rhymes at the ends of our phrases. And appropriately enough, these are known as end rhymes. Or we are trained to expect a rhyme on a certain strain in the melody. Maybe something that repeats over and over again. But as we just saw in that Sweeney example, there can also be rhymes tucked into the middle of the line. So shepherd, peppered, shepherd. These in the middle of the line rhymes are called internal rhymes, and they are an absolute delight and a wonder. They're trickier to write for sure, but they are very effective. And as you might guess, the lyric master himself, Stephen Sondheim, uses these all the time. So how is understanding rhyming useful? Great question. For my writers out there, when understanding just how delightful a perfect rhyme can be for the audience, it creates an impetus to go that extra mile, spend the extra 10 minutes, or just let it percolate until you find that perfect rhyme that's going to delight the ears of your audience. Spending that time not only helps delight the audience, but also Rhyming can tell us a lot about what's going on on stage. Since rhymes ground our ears and help us focus, they're an excellent tool to utilize in sections where there's a lot of information being given to the audience at once. An onslaught, like in, in sections of exposition toward the beginning of a show. But they can also give us a lot of insight into what's going on internally with a character. Generally speaking, the more rhyming that there is for a character within a song, the more emotionally grounded and mentally clear they tend to be in that moment. For instance, there's a song in The King's Legacy called I See, where Catherine of Aragon is watching as her husband is paying very close and special attention to this new lady, Anne Boleyn. The news isn't good, and she's clearly having an emotional moment, but she keeps a level head just as queens are supposed to do. You can see this in the example clip here. This is footage of Lee Martha Klinger as Catherine of Aragon at the Bristol Valley Theatre world premiere of The King's Legacy.
You can hear her level-headedness in her rhyming, though she is clearly having a moment. If it were more of a breakdown, she probably wouldn't be rhyming at all, which would make the audience feel a bit more on edge and help put us in the same emotional state as the character on stage. As a side note, when I originally wrote this song, I over-rhymed the heck out of it. And the note that I got was that, because of the over-rhyming, she sounded happy about everything? Oops. The power of rhymes? So in paying attention to the rhymes and what that says about a character's inner state, directors, producers, designers, audience members, you can all better track what is happening with a character and how that might affect the theatrical experience. And as you notice these mechanics behind rhyming more and more, you may see now why a certain song has always given you a feeling. You just could never articulate what the feeling was or why. It might have to do with the rhymes. Rhyming is a fantastic storytelling tool that grounds us and immerses us in the world and the characters and the journey. Rhymes can give us a sense that a character is more or less in control, depending on how much rhyming is present. They can set up jokes and bring delight and lightness and humor to the characters and to the world. And they can also help the audience listen to the story in a clear and understandable way, all the while delighting us and providing joy. All right, fellow cast members, now it is time to hear your thoughts. If you liked this video, make sure to hit like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, and most importantly, leave a comment below. The theater is a community and this channel is meant to be an extension of that community, so I really do want to hear from you. And if you'd like to become a part of my Patreon community with more information and more access, make sure to click the link in the description below, knowing that I could not do all that I do without your support. That next episode that I teased will arrive in two weeks, but in the meantime, you can check out some of my other videos. Thank you all for being here with me today, and I'll see you again soon. Cheers!